WDBM East Lansing. 89 FM. The Impact. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. Good evening, I'm Abby Newton. You're listening to Impact Exposure. I hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday night. A wonderful Tuesday summer night, might I add. It's a season for barbecues, for graduation parties, for casual drinking and festivals. And that's our topic for discussion today. Barbecue food, music festivals, and beer. Are you ready? I hope so. We'll talk about two music festivals, Backstage Pass and the Summer Solstice Jazz Festival. The barbecue comes in later when I taste test one of Eat at State Truck's signature smoked cheddar cheeseburgers. Lastly, we will talk about the Lansing Beer Week. Backstage Pass is a show produced by WKAR, PBS's affiliate station at Michigan State University. The show features live music performances by a variety of artists. However, tonight, Wednesday and Thursday, the show is opening its doors and allowing community members to sit in the crowd as it's recording. I spoke with Backstage Pass producer Tim Zico and station manager Susie Elkins about the event. Backstage Pass is a live music series featuring music made in Michigan. And we're now featuring musicians that are also in the Great Lakes region. We have been in production since 2009 and we just completed our fourth season of broadcasts and starting June 9th, I'm sorry, June 18th, we begin our fifth season of concert production. Well, the show's just, it's evolved over the years as we've been producing it. The thing that's so exciting is how many people have come to support the show. So not only do they get to listen to great music, but they're also supporting their public broadcasting station. And now that we've gone to a national audience, it's really exciting. Uh, Folks are happy to come and be a part of the TV audience. So sometimes we're talking about coming to be part of the concert and listen to the music, and others are really interested in coming and being part of a TV show. So it's really a unique opportunity for people in the community to come together, hear great music, and support a great program that is seen across the country. We also hear from the bands. As a matter of fact, this morning I just got an email from one of the performers from our fourth season that she's been contacted from someone in Washington State that became aware of her episode on Backstage Pass and contacted her. So it's it's gratifying to hear from the musicians themselves the impact this series has. It has always been my dream to produce a popular music series with Michigan artists. When I first started at WKAR back in the 70s, we produced a lot of classical music with some tremendous talent like Yo-Yo Ma and Jesse Norman. And I always felt at that time, I would like to see that production model translate to more popular music or perhaps more accessible music. You know, when, when I was in my 20s, I didn't quite have the appreciation for <laughs> classical music that I do now. You didn't? No, <laughs> I didn't. Um, but in any case, so I worked with the previous uh, program manager at our station and we conceived of Backstage Pass and piloted, piloted the series in 2009 and ultimately did four shows that first year. And we've kind of never looked back. Uh, we produced 50 shows so far. Wow. And what can the audience expect with attending Backstage Pass? They're going to see some fantastic music and hear some fantastic music. The performers that we have coming the week of uh, June 18th, 19th, and 20th are 
really geared towards a younger demographic, if you will. We, for the first few seasons, we were appealing perhaps to a, a more traditional public broadcast audience, which is generally a little bit older. Um, but we specifically this year wanted to go with acts that were geared towards a younger crowd, you know, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, uh, even teens. Uh, my own kids who are in their early 20s, uh, when I gave them the list of who we were considering, they perked right up and <laughs> said, well, now we're talking. <laughs> it's so. good to have that test board out there. Uh, the thing that's wonderful about the Hannah Community Center, which is where we're going to be um, June 18th, 19th, and 20th, <laughs> is that it's such a unique venue, and it's really beloved by by the community in East Lansing, and it holds upwards of close to 400, 400. people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's really exciting for us that there is that much support for the show and so many people want to come out and to be able to do it with, you know, in three nights, six bands, and and have that much content for our fifth season is really exciting. So it's all the ways that we've produced it have been fantastic in their own way, but this is it's exciting to get out of the studio sometimes, mm -hmm. and especially when that means we can have a larger audience and and going to the festivals and being at the Hannah Center really allows us to do that so we're real excited about that because it takes a tremendous amount of resources both in terms of equipment and, and personnel to uproot a production from a television studio and take it completely on the road and stage it in a performing arts center and then shows begin Tuesday night and uh, we'll conclude Thursday night and Thursday, you'll have a big celebration with WKAR, right? And <laughs> congratulations <laughs> on finishing the event. Or everyone will just go home and fall into their beds. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably more likely because <laughs> everybody just collapses after the sixth uh, show. And, a celebration. And, no, it's really exciting. Everybody gets way into it. And it's a lot of work, but it's the kind of work that everyone is so energized about and we wish we could be doing all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, and we are to a certain extent, but this is taking it to that next level, which is really fun and exciting. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll celebrate a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and then we'll get ready for the festivals. So right. that's that's another reason this time of the year is a good time for recording uh, these concerts is because we, we then go into the festival season and we have partnerships in Old Town and we you know, will be at the Jazz Fest and the Blues Fest. And so it's nice to have a production schedule that's, you know, within a, a, a range of a couple of months, three months, to as opposed to stretch throughout the year. It helps us be a little more efficient with our resources. And uh, so it's it's worked out quite well to do it this time of year. One other point, Abby, I think uh, that's important to make is how critical students are to this production. Uh, we simply don't have the staff any longer uh, in terms of professional staff at WKR to, to crew every position required for something like this. And Michigan State University students, uh, our production students, have an opportunity to come in and work on a nationally broadcast television series, which is pretty nice for them to put on a resume. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but they get experience in all aspects of our production, everything from sound recording to camera operation, um, you know, operating camera jibs, camera dollies, producing, directing. It's a tremendous opportunity, something that didn't exist when I was a student here. And uh, we have had such positive positive feedback from not only the students, but also the College of Communication Arts and Sciences in terms of the opportunity that this provides for students. Uh, it's very gratifying. My last question, if you took off the producer hat and put on, you know, the audience crazy fan hat, what are you most looking forward to? 
I've been trying to get the hard lessons on Backstage Pass for four years. I finally got them uh, for, for a number of reasons. Uh, it, it just simply didn't work out the first three years. And uh, they are absolutely geeked. They started here at Michigan State, so they are very geeked about coming back. I'm geeked about seeing them because I love their music. And so that, that would be my, my pick. I, I'm excited to see, don't get me wrong, I'm excited to see every band that's coming because I, I love the music that we're going to be presenting mm -hmm. in all forms. But if I had to pick one, I'm, I'm kind of geeked about the hard lessons. And they're in the first position the first day. I, I see what you're doing. <laughs> uh, I'm excited for all the bands last year at, at this venue at the Hannah Community Center. It was, I was shocked at how exciting it was and how people just really got into it and stood up and danced and yelled and you know that was hard to have happen in our studio because I think everyone yes. looks around and feels like oh I need to be quiet in this TV studio but mm -hmm. this was definitely more of a uh, concert type setting in a really unique interesting venue and so I'm just looking forward to um, at, at that point I'll be able to come out and sit and be the audience and I'll be dancing and you know really enjoying the music as much as everybody else because if we don't have the the back end figured out by then we're in trouble so I'll, I'll leave that to those guys and I'm just really <laughs> going to enjoy the music it's really cool we've already heard from some fans of mustard plug saying they really wish there weren't seats <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they plan to be very uh, very vocal and uh, moving a lot okay well, Tim and Susie, thank you very much. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Just that we would love to have folks turn out for this. Uh, all of these shows, we encourage, uh, all of the performances are open to the public. So please come on out, and we would love to have you. And uh, be as if you do come to a show, and hopefully you do, be as enthusiastic as you can be because the bands feed off of that. They will, in turn, give back to the audience what the audience is giving to them. So... We're, we're looking forward to it. And I would just say it's not often that you get a chance to be part of a TV audience, and it is so much fun just to listen to the music, but also to know that you're going to be part of a show that will be distributed nationally and, and helping us make something really unique and exciting. So we hope everyone uh, can find the time to come out one night, all three nights. That would be great. We just we really want to fill that place. We'll also be taking a lot of photos, so I would encourage <laughs> folks to visit our Backstage Pass uh, Facebook page, and if they see themselves in any of those photos, Click on it and let us know. High definition, it says, too. So, <laughs> Again, thank you very much. Uh, best of luck with Backstage Pass. Thank you. Thank you. And now, let's play a song from one of the featured artists. This is Come Back to Me by Hard Lessons, Tim Zico's favorite. They played tonight, but you can still catch two days of the event. Doors open at 6.30 at the Hannah Community Center, and you can visit WKAR's website for more ticket information. Remember, it's open to the public. And here is Hard Lessons. Left a trail so easy to follow But it's the heart that's so hard to swallow Come on Baby, come on Cause you were here Now you're gone, come on Oh, baby, won't you come back to me?
switch gears, another music festival is coming to East Lansing, but this one may suit some with a different musical taste. It's a summer solstice jazz festival, the 17th annual, might I add. I spoke to coordinator Benjamin Hall and education stage intern Linnea Jamison about the event. Well, it's a, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for the, for the community. Uh, it, it is a collaboration between the City of East Lansing, the Wharton Center, and the MSU College of Music. It has artistic direction by the head of jazz studies at MSU, Rodney Whitaker, who's kind of a world-renowned, you know, uh, bass player for jazz at Lincoln Center, you know, you name it. Very, very well-respected and, and uh, well-known. It is, takes place in, the, in downtown East Lansing, you know, right in lot one. It, under a big tent and we bring in some local, regional and, uh, and, and national performers and uh, it's kind of, it seems to me like the, the jazz festival is kind of a, a stepping off ground. There's a lot of people that have played here that have gone on to huge things. Esperanza Spaulding, for, for example, uh, played here in 2007 and she went on to win a Grammy and she was actually what the only jazz artist to win Best New Artist. She beat out Justin Bieber at the Grammys for, for Best New Artist. There's some uh, justice in the world. Yeah. She definitely has better hair. <laughs> we also have um, guys that are actually painting inspired by the festival wow. live. So there's you know, they have these huge, huge um, canvases set up. There's also, we have uh, some really good food vendors this year. We've got uh, Purple Carrot on Friday night. We've got... Uh, um, on Saturday, um, Grand Grillin. We have both days. Spicers, which I don't know if you've heard about them. They've been all over the state news recently. Mm -hmm. um, what country are they from? Because I always get it wrong. Algeria. Algeria. Yeah. It's a young Algerian. Uh, well, he's actually, I think he's was born in the United States, but his family's from Algeria. There in Algeria, they have this traditional sausage. It's made of uh, beef and lamb, and it's completely halal. And uh, and it has this uh, magical herb mixture in it that it makes it. I guess it's fantastically tasty. But he's he and he's a recent graduate from MSU. One of those uh, one of the food, uh, people that started food carts or food trucks that graduated from MSU recently. And he'll be there. Also, American Crepe, uh, Melting Moments. So um, lots of and Sultan's Delight is going to be there both days as well. And you have a very large list of performers, some, yeah. like you said, world-renowned. Um, mm -hmm. And where did you find the performers, and how did, you know, that relationship build where this jazz festival is very respected, you know, where you can get those higher-quality performers? Well, um, it comes basically uh, with our, uh, you know, our collaboration with the Wharton Center, mm -hmm. with uh, the College of Music. Um, Wharton Center brings in one big act each year. They, were, they brought to Esperance Spalding. Um, this year they're bringing uh, Surreal M.A., and we have her on a phone interview soon. Yeah, so. so you'll 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 hear more from her later. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, and Rodney Whitaker also with his connections, he there's probably I think performing at this festival two guys that are affiliated with the Jazz at Lincoln Center. So we get because he is friends with all these famous people. You know, he, he a lot of them 
he, you know, he calls in a favor <laughs> to get him <laughs> to the festival. So, like, we've got Tim Warfield this year, who's, uh, you know, I think the New York Times called him the, the best tenor sax player of his generation. We've got um, Frederick Sanders, who some of your audience members might not realize this, but he's the piano player for the Dirty Dozen Brass Band and um, for their Medicated Magic album and uh, a lot of the, you know, Bonnaroo types. The festival has been around for 17 years. It's going to be its 17th year. Mm -hmm. So how, how has it changed since year one? Year one took place, um, originally was supposed to be held at The Rock. Really? Yeah. Okay. And it was rained out. Oh. So they moved it inside to Erickson Kiva. And I think it would live there for a couple years, but it was kind of um, originally it was kind of in conjunction with the Summer Circle Theater. Like as soon as the theater would get done, then the concert would start. And it went at least the first year. I'm not positive after that, but the first year it went all night. So it started at 1030 and went all night long because it's supposed to be, you know, the in uh, pagan traditions, uh, summer solstice, longest day of the year, but they also would celebrate it all night long by burning fires all day and all night. So that's uh, where that's kind of where it all started. And and then in 2007 is when the collaboration happened between uh, City of East Lansing Warden Center and, and, and the College of Music. Just this year, um, we're adding a stage, which is where Linnea comes from. We're, we're trying to collaborate more um, with MSU in terms of education, and so we had some extra money at the end of last year, and we decided to put it into a new education stage. Um, and so what we're doing with that, um, it's basically the chance for middle and high school groups throughout Michigan to um, have the chance to perform at a, a jazz festival. And we're also having um, swing dance lessons on Friday night from the State Swing Society. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's a great stage for, for all ages to mm -hmm. attend. And You might be creating yeah. the next jazz Justin Bieber with the stage. <laughs> that is an oxymoron, jazz Justin Bieber. <laughs> I like the alliteration. <laughs> now, what are you most looking forward to, just as a fan, a jazz fan? Me? Mm -hmm. I, I'm looking forward to Sunday after the festival. <laughs> The celebration because, day, well, right? Did, yeah, celebration day. I, I, you know, I really. This is my first year as coordinator, which is something I, I, I didn't say, but this is my first year as coordinator. Before I came on, the city of East Lansing handled all the all mm -hmm. the coordination of the festival. I mean, the the board did help out quite a bit, but you know, when it came to like the marketing, well, Warren Center helped out a lot with the marketing, but a, a lot of the just legwork, you know, putting up posters, that that sort of business was handled by the city of East Lansing. But it, it grew enough where they wanted a dedicated coordinator. And um, I, I lost my train of thought. Where was, what was the oh, exact Oh, you're question? most excited about. My most excited mm -hmm. to, to get through my first year and to be successful and for this year to be bigger than last year and then to work on next year being bigger than this year. And what about so. you, Linnea? So far, I've really only seen the performers' names on paper and seen them on YouTube. So I'm really looking forward to being able to meet people in person and mm -hmm. um, welcome our education groups to the to the MSU education stage and try all the great food. I love food trucks, so that'll be really fun. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think there's really something for everyone. How many people have come in the past? Well, when we, uh, when we first started in, in 1996, estimated there's about 800 people. And... Well, in about 2010, it was estimated at about 8,000, and we're, we're thinking that last year there may have been about 10,000, but that's all weekend, and that's people that may have gone both days. Mm -hmm. So just to be fair. Well, I know as 
a Lansing musician, which uh, Lansing area musician, I should say, which Linnea also is, that mm -hmm. there are not a lot of venues to perform at. And we all look forward to the festival season so much because that's the actual time when, you know, A, you, you get a chance to play and you get to possibly make decent money. Mm -hmm. And also to be able to have the chance to have your family come and hear you because if you play at max bar <laughs> at, at 10 o'clock on a tuesday you're well that's neon tuesday so you, i wouldn't be playing there. <laughs> on well, a monday night which, uh, <laughs> which <I've> <laughs> yeah you're 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 yeah i have kids my kids would not be able to come see me play so mm -hmm. I, I mean as a lansing musician i can say that that, that we'd look for forward to fe um festival season for that but also i mean there's a chance every weekend, some weekends see, see a couple festivals and, and just get, a, there are so many talented musicians in this area. I can't, I can't believe it. I really can't. I mean, I um, came to this uh, festival from the Old Town Festivals and had a chance to work with uh, all the musicians there and just the talent in this area is unbelievable. There's so many good musicians and, and festival season, for the most part, it's uh, an opportunity to, um, I, I almost said the word, but <laughs> I'm not going to. It's an opportunity to to explore a lot of music without a lot of effort. That yeah, <laughs> and one thing I've been picking up, too, is there are so many festivals and concert series, especially in the summer, just between East Lansing and Lansing, and all the festivals seem to be very supportive of each other and mm -hmm. want to help promote each other. So yeah, it's... We actually have a festival alliance, which... Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if they have a Facebook page, but if not, they, they should. It's through the um, through the Arts Council of Greater Lansing. So we all help each other out and kind of, uh, you know, we might borrow volunteers. We might, uh, you know, ask someone for a, for a favor or advice. So it's it, it's a good group to belong to. Very helpful, too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And all the more reason to go. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And the festival will take place this weekend in East Lansing. The festivities begin on Friday at 4.30 p.m. and Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Now, one of the musicians that will be featured at the festival is Surreal M.A. She was born in France and has a unique history with music and performance. She's in New York right now, but I spoke with her over the phone to talk about her music. But first, let's take a listen to one of her songs, Sunny. Yesterday my life was filled with rain Sunny You smile at me and really ease the pain All the dark days are gone and the bright days are here My sunny one shines so sincere Sunny, one so true Smile 
Again, that was Surreal Aimé, a jazz musician from France. And without further ado, here is Surreal. I grew up in a little town in France called called sur seine It's a little a little town uh, next to Paris, and um, it's where Django Reinhardt used to live, the gypsy guitar player. And so every year there's a, a Django festival in his honor in my hometown, and gypsies come from all across Europe in their caravans, and they come to honor him and play music and uh, just come to hang for like weeks mm-hmm. and uh, so when I was little around 13 or 14 I started hanging out with the gypsies <laughs> um, at first I was just obsessed with just their way of life and the way they are they're really they're such free people you know they mm-hmm. they live each day like it's their last and they're they're so raw mm-hmm. and I just I just got so obsessed with that that Culture also it reminded me a little bit of um, uh, the Dominican people. My mom is from Dominican Republic, and so just that way of being so uh, natural and open. And, but then, then I 
I started hanging out with this one gypsy who would teach me the guitar in exchange of uh, that I would teach him to read. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got into the music. And one day, his big brother asked me to learn a song. And uh, I I sang the song in front of the whole family around the <laughs> campfire. And I remember the song was Sweet Sue. Aww. And so after that day, they called me Sweet Sue. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's how I just got so obsessed with all Django Reinhardt's recordings and learned every solo of the recordings. And that's how I got into jazz. Okay, and then you stayed in Paris, didn't you, when you, the rest of your family left? Yeah. It was difficult. That year in Paris was very difficult. I didn't... It was the first time I was very so far from them. It was not like it was... Uh, it was easy because my, my parents were in Singapore, so it was really far. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I didn't know anyone in Paris because I grew up in the little village... Uh, Samoa, and and uh, and it it was a a little difficult at first. Did you ever, um, you know, with the difficulty of a profession in jazz, did you were you ever kind of led astray and thought maybe this isn't for me, or what really solidified that yes, I want to be a jazz musician? Oh no, never, never in my life did I ever think uh, I didn't know I I wanted I could stop singing or anything. Mm-hmm. Never. Then I, after that, I went to live in the Dominican Republic by myself. My parents were still in Singapore, and uh, the vibe just changed completely. And uh, I met so many people there, and I was playing like eight gigs a week sometimes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And did you ever consider any other types of music besides jazz? Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. I I I was in a lot of different bands. I was in a trip-hop band when I was in DR. Uh, when I was at Purchase College, I was in a ska band. Um, in France, I toured with this crazy electro-swing band. I love any kind of music, as long as it's good music. Uh, now, talk to me about your latest tour. How has that been? You've been all across the country lately. Oh, that was beautiful. It's with uh, we, we toured with my new band, mm-hmm. and uh, we did, I think we did 12 concerts all across the U.S., and uh, and out of 12 concerts, we got 12 standing ovations. It was really great. Congratulations. Wow. Thanks. Uh, where has your, been your favorite place to perform? I really love the Green Mill in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I really love uh, Smalls and Birdland in New York. Okay. Do you go back to Paris often? Well, I'm going to go there in a week, actually. Oh. Um I I go there every summer and I try to go if I if I have some gigs basically. And how do you try to get people to get more interested in jazz through your music? Basically, I try to really make create like a mix of different uh, influences. Mm-hmm. All my influences in my music, uh, like the Latin influence from my mom, the Gypsy influence. Uh, Basically, I like to, the way I choose my songs and everything, also the lyrics, I like positive songs and positive lyrics. I just wanted to make to make it fun, because sometimes jazz is very intellectual, mm-hmm. and it's difficult for people who don't know music to get, um, get in it, really, you know? Mm-hmm. And I try to just make it 
as fun as possible. And how important do you think a musical influence is on someone's life? Extremely important. It can change someone's life completely. As it did for you, it seems. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> People sometimes come at concerts, and actually it happened on this tour. Uh, this girl, she came and she told me that she had seen me uh, the, sh- the show like a year ago or something. Mm-hmm. And she said that after that show, she quit her job because she, she had a newborn baby. She quit her job to be more with her baby. She she went traveling. She she said it changed her life. The music just made her realize what was important in life. That's what, that's what uh, I want to bring to people. Now, what are you most excited about for coming to Michigan for the Jazz Festival? Well, I'm I'm excited to to perform. I'm excited for the hang. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. It's an open. It's outdoors, right? Mm-hmm. I love that. I love outdoors concerts. Mm-hmm. I'm. We're just excited, all of us. Have you been to East Lansing? Uh, no, not East Lansing, but I've been to Detroit many times. Well, we're excited to have you. And now, if you could pick one thing that you know, after somebody listens to some of your music and they walk away, well, what do you want them to walk away with? Just to walk away with a smile on their face and realize that that life is good. (laughs) And here's another song by the jazz artist, who you can see among many artists at the Jazz Festival this weekend in East Lansing. For more information, you can visit eljazzfest.com. How many times a day do I think of you? How many roses are sprinkled with dew? How far would I travel to get where you are? How long is the journey from here to a star? And if I should ever lose you, how much would I cry? How deep is the ocean?
tell you no lies How deep is the ocean? How high is the sky? How many times a day do I think of you? How many roses are sprinkled with dew? To get where you are How long is the journey From here to a star And if I should ever lose you How much would I cry How deep is the ocean How high is the sky How high is the sky now, the Washington Post says Surreal has a voice like fine whiskey, oaky and smooth with a hint of smokiness. And that acts as a wonderful transition as our next segment is about alcohol. Lately, microbrewed beer and craft beer have become wildly popular around the country. In Lansing, Michigan, we are having a celebration for this popularity. The second annual Lansing Beer Week will take place from June 23rd to June 29th. I spoke with some of the organizers of the week about why Michigan craft beer should be celebrated. Hi, I'm Paul Starr. I am the uh, creator of I'm a Beer Hound and also the uh, co-creator of uh, Lancy Beer Week. First off, what's I'm a Beer Hound? Um, I'm a Beer Hound is a uh, Michigan craft beer news website. Um, membership card, mobile app, and event um, promotion company. So it's a lot of stuff. I mean, we started uh, three years ago when we built a pretty good social media and um, social media filing in that that time frame. Talk to me about Lansing Beer Week. Lansing Beer Week is several events during the week at various bars and uh, breweries in the, the greater Lansing area. Um, the purpose is just to raise awareness of Michigan craft beer and also raise awareness of, uh, you know, cool bars in town that, you know, somebody maybe may have never went into, but now they have a reason. And really just to get people out there and, and just, uh, um, ha- you know, have, have a good time. And that's the whole concept of it. It's just do um, fun, unique events that, uh, you know, that uh, in, it's not an everyday event and, and you know. And people always say there's nothing going on in Lansing. Well, we're trying to create something going on. And when you have beer, you know, there's always something, right? Yeah, there's always, there's always something. <laughs> and I also understand that there's a beer fest within the week. What is that? Um, yeah, Lansing Beer Fest uh, is a majority of our time because um, we're shutting, shutting down the road in uh, Washington and Rio Town, right near the Board of Water and Light new building. Um, and uh, we're having 13 breweries out for that. Um, Fork in the Roads can be out there with food, and we're going to have Sir Pizza also. Um, with, with food too, we're gonna have over over thirty beers, so it's uh it's it's a good lineup, and you know I've like handpicked the lineup myself, so it, you know it's, it's a it's gonna be kind of beer centric, so <laughs> you can get anything from something fruity to something hoppy to something that's Belgian. What so, beer are you most looking forward to? To trying, um, probably the beer that I brewed with Bad Brewery. Um, <laughs> we brewed a uh, strawberry rhubarb Belgian triple. Oh so, my goodness! Yeah, um, I'm pretty excited. We I haven't had I haven't tried it yet, um, so I'm kind of interested to see how that turns out. Um, but I, I, that's going to be pretty cool. And we're releasing. Um, he, Brian's going to release that on Friday before um, 
the festival, which is on Saturday, and also have it at the fest too. So, and the cool thing is too, uh, like Eagle Monk, they're bringing out a, a special beer that they brewed too um, for uh, for the festival too. So. No, so you didn't get a taste test all the beers as you were picking them for the lineup. No, a lot of them, a lot of them I've had before, so I like, um, so I know like you know like yeah, that's a it's a really good beer to have mm-hmm. on the lineup, and really really trying to find the balance between okay, you know, is there enough like fruity kind of beers, enough hoppy beers, is there enough beers that uh, the quote unquote beer geeks are gonna like you know want to come out to because. I mean, you can't just have like all, all like high gravity stuff. You got to have, you know, find the, find the happy medium. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot about Michigan craft beers, made in Michigan beers. So how important is beer to the Lansing community? I, I think every day it's more and more important because um, even three years ago, there was hardly, you couldn't find Michigan beer at Meyer. You couldn't, um, a lot, I mean, Taps 25 wasn't open. And um, it was hard to find a lot of craft around, and it's really in the last few years, bars have really put a focus on it. Um, I mean, you could say it definitely that Lansing is behind the time for breweries. I mean, look at you know Grand Rapids won Beer City USA, and they have, I think they have 13 to 15 breweries in the greater Grand Rapids area. So in Lansing, I mean, we really have kind of like four. So, um, but. I think it's growing, and I think that you're going to have some more breweries kind of open up in the next two, you know, next few years. And how did you get interested in beer? I guess just a journey. You just uh, you're just kind of looking for something different, and, um, and and to me, it's like it's more than just about it's more than just about beer. Um, the whole like community is is pretty unique, and the cool thing about going to a brewery is is you know yeah you know like the beer is great. But it's the atmosphere, it's like this it's the conversation really and, and the cool people you meet and the experience and you know some breweries you go to their long tables and you just sit next to somebody you don't know and you just start conversations mm-hmm. and I, I think that's a pretty cool thing and, and uh, so it's you know I look at more like craft beer as kind of like a lifestyle choice than just you know just beer. And this is the second annual um, beer week. So how did the first one go last year? Went pretty well. Um, you know, we did like a like a Reno Serenos bike ride. It went pretty well. And we had a beer and chocolate. And we had a downtown bar crawl. It went pretty well. Um, Any time you're trying to do something like that, it's it's tough the first year to really get the word out and, and stuff. And, um, you know, this year, you know, even, you know, being part media partners, with uh, City Pulse has really really helped out, and other media kind of reaching out, and I ha- you know having us entrepreneurs like you guys too. That's <laughs> awesome. So and you, I also hear that you have something called beer bacon at Lansing Beer Week. What is that yeah, exactly? We're doing a beer and bacon pairing, okay. and um, it's actually paired with the Mad Hatter series from um, New Holland. So it's essentially like you, it's like five beers and five um, like pieces of bacon, smaller pieces <laughs> of bacon. Um, the bacon's from uh, Jerome uh, Country Market, and uh, it's about a, it's it's like half an hour south of Jackson, um, and uh, it's just really good bacon and and beer. You know, it's 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 a it's a great pairing. People are like pretty intrigued by that because mm-hmm. so. you've got beer and bacon, beer and chocolate. Any other interesting or unique pairings? Um, we're not doing beer and chocolate. We've done oh, that okay. before. Um, I've because every month I I do an event at the Rio Town Pub, mm-hmm. so we've done like um. Beer and popcorn, cravings popcorn. Sure. We've done beer and meat wings, <laughs> um, and we did beer and cheese, 
and uh, we're going to do beer and ice cream coming up and we're mm. going to do um pro- we're, we're always kind of working on mm-hmm. what the next thing that we're going to do so it's just uh i don't know i just think that i like um beer and food pairings that's kind of what it's it's just fun to do that and um and just doing kind of like you know most people didn't think that beer and popcorn was something that would taste good so wine and cheese date nights take a spin now with beer and bacon date nights. <laughs> well, it's kind of, it's kind of proven that um, beer actually pairs better with food than than wine. Wine pairs better than uh, some foods than beer, but beer is made from so many different things. That I mean, yeah, wine and cheese is so good. Beer and cheese is is good too. It's just <laughs> a different. It's just a different take. And what events are you most excited about and most looking forward to for the week? Um, I would probably say, you know, the beer fest, I'm, I'm, you know, excited about that. Um, the auto history bike tour is going to be pretty cool. Um, have, my, um, Steve who does a motor city brew tours. He does a bunch of bike, bike tours, like uh brewery history tours in Detroit. So he wrote up a script, um, for, uh, Lansing cause the Lansing has such a, um, auto history mm-hmm. and it have a nice, uh, a nice bike ride, learn something about Lansing that maybe you didn't know. Sure. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. And um, the Women of Craft Beer is going to be pretty cool. Um, we're, we're actually starting a local um, women's um, craft beer meetup group, hmm. and it's going to be the Beer Houndettes. So, <laughs> are there a lot of women who are interested in craft beers yeah. in the area? Yeah. It, I mean, there's usually more guys than, um, than women, but yeah, there's a lot of women that are interested in that. And um, there's other, um, like there's like the Detroit, Detroit Draft Divas, and there's other women meetup groups in other cities. So I, I thought it'd be a perfect opportunity. And um, we're having, like, it's essentially open forum. So, like, Amy from uh, Great American Brew Trail is going to be out there, and um, a few other um, <coughs> brewery, uh, brew, brewsters, <laughs> technical um, term, and, and uh, some other uh, reps that work for other breweries and stuff. And it's kind of open forum, so you ask questions and sample some of the, the breweries' beers that are out there. Sounds like there's an event for everybody. Yeah, there, there's really something. It, it, it's just a lot of stuff, and we're just trying to – because there's no way that somebody could go to all five days or seven days of what we're doing, So mm-hmm. other than us. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking as a just a fan of beer, what is your all-time favorite Michigan brewed beer or craft beer? Oh, I mean that's really hard because I kind of go by the season on what okay. um what I like. Uh, I would probably say that my favorite style of beer would probably be Oktoberfest. Mm. So like a, a good um some good um Oktoberfest made in Michigan. I would say the Blacktoberfest from Atwater and the Frankenmuth Oktoberfest are pretty solid, but um pretty much in the summertime if it's not like a something Belgian Hefeweizen um, Cezanne or, or like a Pilsner or some kind of lager. I probably don't, really don't drink it. Um, summertime, I like I just like lighter stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm you know, I really like the whole gamut of stuff. I'm not really super um, gung ho on a lot of fruity beers, but um, strawberry I, rhubarb could change that. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I, Belgian triples. I, I mean, I love anything Belgians uh, is is good. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's really hard to say because really, I look at I look at beer as like the same way music. It's like what you want to drink in that moment is like what you want to listen to in that moment. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like there's just, and I think that's changing for a lot of people because before we were like, I drank said beer all the time. That's my beer. And people are now, it's just like, yeah, I'm going to have this now. And, you know, it just it's always changing. Just for more information, you can ch- check out the uh, LanceofBeerWeek.com.
Hi. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. The National Association of College and University Food Services recently gave an award to a cheeseburger in the East Lansing area, but not a cheeseburger from a restaurant, a cheeseburger from a truck, a food truck. MSU's Eden State Food Truck Signature Smoked Cheddar Cheeseburger won the best local food recipe in the nation. This cheeseburger was created with the help of locally produced foods and Chef Kurt Kwiatkowski, who has been the corporate chef at MSU for four years. Now I visited the award-winning chef to find out his secrets and try the famous cheeseburger for myself. The first thing I asked him was how difficult it was to produce a cheeseburger in a truck. It's not that difficult, you know. It took a lot more in the planning and figuring out, you know, okay, we first we want a signature item. And all right, what's that signature item going to be? All right, we want it to be a burger. All right, if I want it to be a burger, because I love burgers, I want it to be something that's delicious, something that's a little bit unique. And uh, so I think everyone really enjoyed all the practice runs in, in figuring out what that burger was going to be and then trying to figure out what's going to make it special. And we started tying in with all the great partners that we have on campus with the beef from Michigan State and then the greens from the Student Organic Farm, uh, getting the cheese from the MSU Dairy. The cheese? It was an important decision. We've got seven different cheeses that we can use. Let's take them all. And John from the dairy store was like, all right, you know, here you go. Go play and it kind of honed in on two of them specific because I felt like the smoked cheddar would be just too powerful by itself and mm -hmm. so we're cutting it with some sharp cheddar both from the MSU dairy and it uh, just works out to be a great pairing. It took the creative minds about a month to fine-tune the cheeseburger. However, the staff very much enjoyed that oh, fine-tuning. Yeah. The, the staff, oh, chef, did we need to do another sample to make sure everything's okay? <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, could you show me how this burger's made? Sure, absolutely. Right. With that, chef and I journeyed to the food truck. The kitchen inside this truck was probably about 10 square feet, tops. Five bodies fluidly moved throughout the truck as burgers, grilled cheese, and lemonades were passed awaiting customers. We're going to walk her through how easy it is to make a burger. And then hopefully you're going to want to taste it afterwards. Okay, good. Fresh greens, ripe red tomatoes, and chopped cheeses lined the wall as a sizzling black grill toasted bread and beef. And then Chef took over. So we start with our beef. We've got our little food truck seasoning. There's about uh, nine or ten different ingredients, but everything from cracked black pepper to turmeric to granulated garlic to... Uh, dried onions, paprika, so it's, it's a lot of stuff. 
you know, once you make up the seasoning blend and then you can get the cheese right at the MSU dairy store. Um, the pink beef the began browning as I listened to the sizzle of the grill. Next, Chef took a handful of two cheeses and delicately placed them on the beef. Then, he surprised me by grabbing a water bottle and what looked like an upside-down bowl with a handle on top. And so the way we melt the cheese, it's, it's kind of like an old-school diner thing where you hood it and you uh, put some water on it so the steam melts the cheese really, really good. That, that was part of the design of the burger, too. When I knew that the only piece of equipment we were going to basically have to cook to order was a flat top, the burger was designed with that in mind. In no more than two minutes, the hood was removed and the burger was placed on a toasted bun and ready for dressing. Just spring, fresh spring mix, red onions and tomato. So. I washed his dark green lettuce, a few red onions and a tomato slice, added even more color to the bun and the cheese-covered beef. So about Chef said the burger was a beauty. You know, it's just something that's super special, you know, because you can still see some of the burger, you see the tomato, you see the greens poking out of that bun, the bun's nice and caramelized, browned on top, and it, it you know, it's not necessarily grease, it's just some of the stuff that comes from that sharp cheddar, a little bit of as that cheddar melts. I was handed a glass of lemonade, complete with a sliced lemon and a sliced orange, and took a big bite of the signature right. smoked cheddar cheeseburger. <laughs> Most delicious. I can confidently say that I like the judge's choice of the best local food recipe. My next adventure, the pothole dessert at the food truck. For Impact News, I'm Abby Newton.
And that concludes our show this evening. Next week, Exposure will turn into Sexposure as we host experts from Owen Health Center to talk about all things sex. We also invite you to join the discussion by calling in. Wonderful prize packages are included. Learn more next week at 7 p.m. on Impact 89FM. Keeping you informed and bidding you farewell until next week, I'm Abby Newton, Impact Exposure 89FM. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure.